Union forces were suffering great losses. And at the close of one particular evening, Pearson, the chief of staff to General Grant, came to him with very appalling news. That we've lost half our artillery, third of our infantry, the lines have been broken, and we're pushed nearly to the river. And he looked at Grant and became frustrated because he didn't answer him. He said, what are you going to do? And Grant simply said, do? Why reform the lines and attack at daylight? Won't they be surprised? And, by, and that's exactly what they did. And by 9 o'clock the next morning, they had the Confederate forces routed completely. That's the way I feel today. I want to go home, reform the lines, and attack at daylight. Praise God. I have been stirred and challenged in this conference. And uh, that's, that's really the way I feel. And won't the devil be surprised? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 28. Oh, hallelujah. We're, we're excited about what we're hearing and feeling. And uh, what we are uh, going to experience. Listen to Brother Davis and... Um, for the keys tonight, I'm, I'm looking forward to their ministries and what we've heard today already. Praise God. And I hope all of us feel uh, an encouragement, a challenge. Go home and uh, put things in order and uh, declare war, as Brother Young said yesterday. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 28, I would like to begin reading from verse 14. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. And the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night. And it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. For the bed is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. 
Once more, would you pray with me today? Father, we do thank you today for your blessings, for the anointing. We thank you for the word that we've heard. And again, we ask you now to anoint us, anoint our minds to receive, anoint our hearts to receive. Anoint us to minister to this great people of yours that's gathered here today. Let the will of God be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I would like to preach for just a little while today on this thought. The inadequacy of self-justification. I have read a portion of the Word of God that has very serious tones to it. I realize a tone of judgment. A, also in the midst of that, a, a promise to those that will turn away from their wickedness. And uh, he said, he that believeth shall not make haste. But the, the word is spoken to the children of Israel at a time and just previous to our reading. It's such a great promise concerning the rest of the weary and the refreshing. And uh, Paul quoted from this chapter in the 14th chapter of Corinthians and uh, brought it in comparing it with uh, the Holy Ghost tongue-talking dispensation that we're living in. But he said, for all that, they wouldn't hear. And so then he began, uh, he began to point their situation out to them. And he began to uh, talk about their covenant, their agreement, their treaty. They had made, they had made a certain peace uh, between them and hell. If you don't bother me, I won't bother you. Uh, if um, we can just go our way, don't, don't bother us. And, and uh, he said, you have tried to hide yourselves under the refuge of lies and uh, under falsehood. And then he finally <clears throat> summed it up in verse 20. For the bed is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. I find something today in the midst of God's people that I feel is, is a very serious situation. I feel it is something that we, we are going to have to deal with on a personal basis. But it seems that there is such an unwillingness to accept responsibility for the condition of our relationship with God. I have seen this in our own experiences as uh, we have tried to pastor the church there in Enterprise. I have watched many people that almost uh, will just simply not accept responsibility for anything in their lives. And uh, much less their, the responsibility for the condition of their relationship with God. I'm sure that most of you have heard the excuses of backsliders. They very seldom will say that it's my fault that I backslid. It's usually uh, the church, the preacher, the brothers, the sisters... Something is always wrong with the church. It's not, uh, it's not ever their problem. It's not ever 
an admission that they just simply quit praying. It's not an admission that they got worldliness in their heart. And, and there, there is a tremendous un, unwillingness, it seems, not only in those backsliders, but um, within the church even. And I feel that it does come to a great extent from our Adam nature. Uh, if we go back to the very beginning of time when Adam and uh, Eve had been given such a beautiful uh, place to dwell in, and in their dwelling place, they disobeyed God. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. And so Adam's uh, act was a willful act of disobedience. But when, the, but when they had done this, and their eyes were opened, the first thing that they immediately wanted to do was to try to cover themselves. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, their covering of leaves was simply not adequate. And so when the time came, God came and he took the skins of animals and he covered them physically. And I feel like that that physical attempt to cover themselves was... Uh, what was going on in their feelings inside. Uh, it was coming through. And yet when God began to question them about what you have done, there was an unwillingness in Adam's part to accept responsibility and just say that I disobeyed you. He said, what have you done? And he said, the woman that you gave me. And uh, you pastors have probably heard that in the in your office. It, this, this wife of mine, it's it's. You know, it's, uh, that's why we're having problems in our marriage. And you've heard the wife say, well, it's my husband. And there's always an unwillingness to, to deal with the root of the problem. And that is to accept responsibility. And uh, so then he looked at the woman. Well, what have you got to say for yourself? And so she said, well, it was the serpent. And like somebody said, the Lord didn't even ask the serpent because he knew he'd lie anyway. <laughs> but there has been an unwillingness to accept the responsibility for our spiritual condition dating all the way back to Adam. And uh, a demonstration of man's futile attempt to cover himself with his a covering of his own devices. I feel that we all realize today that any attempt on our part to adequately cover ourselves is going to fail. And it will surely be as a bed that's too short. No rest can be found in self-justification. And that it is going to be as a as the covering is too narrow and we cannot wrap ourselves in it. That describes a very miserable condition. Probably sometime you've had a situation like that uh, in the physical, trying to rest on a couch or a bed or something that uh, there simply wasn't enough room and uh, maybe it was cold and you tried to wrap in a little uh, blanket or something that was way too small and you spent... A very restless and miserable night trying to sleep. And this describes a miserable state of affairs. But he, he was dealing with God's people in this 
uh, in this writing. And it, they were in a miserable condition. And it would have been much better if it had only been physical. But it was a spiritual condition. And he said, rather than repenting and confessing and accepting a responsibility of where you are, you have tried to cover yourselves with falsehood. You have actually deceived yourself and taken refuge in lies. And uh, he said, you have made peace and made an agreement with hell and with death. But when the time of testing comes, the hail is going to sweep it all away. And it will not be an adequate covering for you. And it's only going to be a false security. I believe we all understand and know today that there's only one place that we're going to be covered. And that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that there's only going to be one way that we can obtain that. And that's through repentance and through confession. Through honesty and be real with God. But how many times have... I've been frustrated in my own experience as I came uh, to a, a prayer time and, and I knelt there and I began to pray and, 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 and the Lord Himself gave us an example of prayer and, and, uh, and I began to praise God. I began to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And I could do that. And I could, I could say it and I could express it. In so many different ways. And, and I could pray it. And I could love worshiping Him. And I could love uh, lifting up Him. But it seemed that as I progressed on through the example of prayer. And I came to the place where Jesus said, Forgive us of our debts. Forgive us of our trespasses. If there was somebody kneeling beside me from time to it would seem that I want to lower my voice. Because... I didn't want somebody to hear me say, forgive me of my sins, God. And, uh, and I've become frustrated at times in my own self. Why? Why? Why is it in me to come to a place that I almost stutter when I need to confess and repent? I pray, God, wash that out of me today. Get that out of me. Purge it from me. That I can come to the place and accept responsibility and understand that my spiritual condition is what it is today because of the way that I am living. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think it's time to quit making excuses for uh, not having, uh, not, not doing what we know in our hearts we should be doing in the work of God. It's time to quit making excuses and, and have a revival of a willingness to come before God and to enter in uh, to that holy place with Him. Amen. Coming by that brazen altar of judgment and allowing our sins to be sent on ahead rather than following after us. It's just about time that our sins quit following us. Amen. And we started sending them on ahead. Amen. Well, you might sit here today and you might say, well, I'm a saint of God. I'm not a sinner. But let me, let me, let me say this. When you came to the altar the very first time, 
you recognize your condition and you can repent and tears could come down your face. Amen. But that's not where repenting should have stopped at. It's already been said this morning. Amen. But once we have come into the church and we have lived for God a while, there arises a pride in our heart. And when the preacher preaches to us and we are stirred in our souls, we have a desire to go to that altar and to pray. But we can't be the first one there because we're afraid somebody's going to think, I've really done something bad this week. I'm going to tell you at our very best, he said, consider yourself an unprofitable servant. I believe it's time that we as saints of the living God begin to accept the responsibility and begin to accept the place of our condition and know where we are in God and not be afraid to be the first one at the altar. Not be afraid to confess, I haven't been what God wanted me to be. We try to figure out how to say it. No, God, I may, I maybe I'm opening myself up today or whatever, but this is the only way I feel like I can be today, and that's honest with you. I've knelt and prayed, and I didn't want hear I didn't want people to hear me confess. I knew in my heart I needed to. I knew in my heart I needed to say, God, I've been slothful. God, I hadn't prayed nearly enough. God, I want you to forgive me for whatever it might have been. And, and I didn't want people around me to hear that. And, and when I got through praising God, worshiping God, it seemed like almost beyond my will, my voice would lower. And I would get down in my, fold my arms and stick my head down before I could say, God, I need your mercy today. God, I, my flesh is vile. My heart is deceitful. Oh, God, I want you to do something in here. And I, I have fought with that. And I have, I have prayed and tried to find words to say it in a different way. Some of you, if I've left you, if I've left you and you can't relate to this, maybe I'll get back to you in a minute. But right now, I'm just bearing my soul to you this morning. It's a miserable condition. Sometimes we take the punch out of things by the way we do say it. You know, in our generation, they've got a, a word for everything. They don't like for you to say homosexual. They don't like for you to say sodomite. Amen. They want to be gay. They don't want you to preach on adultery. It's just unfair. You know, I read one time about a race that they had between an American as a Ford automobile and some, some type of a Soviet manufactured. The only two cars in the race, this uh, Soviet-made car and this Ford. And they raced, and the, the Ford beat the Soviet car by a very um, great distance. And, uh, but the next day, the Prague newspapers came out. And the way that this is the way they wrote up uh, the details of the race. Yesterday was a race between the American Ford and the Soviet car. Soviet car came in second. And the U.S. car came in next to last. 
Now that doesn't sound nearly as bad. It's saying we got our socks beat off. And our prayers sometimes are like that. Amen. Sure they are. Oh, God. And you know, it's a lot easier sometimes to, to say, forgive me of my debts, Lord. If I'm the only one here that's ever prayed like that, my, then y'all pray for me and God help me. Man, do that anyhow. Well, praise God. What we're needing today, as has been stated again and again in this conference, is not more polish. But it is a depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. We must have that. We will never have within our grasp and within our grip the things that we are seeking for through all of the efforts of the flesh. We'll never obtain it. In the book of Jeremiah, he stated that, he, he asked a question. He said, can a, can a maid forget her ornaments? And can a bride forget her attire? And he said, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. I feel very strongly today that God is tired of watching us Try to be a professional bride. Amen. I'm afraid that from time to time we've got so infatuated with the business of being a bride. That we've forgotten what made us a bride to start with. Amen. But let me, let me stop just a moment and say this. That if there was no bridegroom, there would be no bride. And sometimes we get to strutting around being the bride. Sometimes we get to becoming such a professional bride. But God did not do what He has done. He did not create an earth to put this church in. And then shed blood at Calvary and go through such uh, shame and, and uh, hardship there to buy this church and to pay the price for it. For us to walk around and to, as it's been said, to have glory in ourself and glory in just being the bride. He did not create us to just to be a polished institution. But He had a longing to have a companionship with His people. And that's what the church is all about. And when we become anything else, we have missed the mark, I fear. And I believe today that it's time to again look to the thing that made us what we are. Again, go back to the thing that has brought us out of the world, has set us apart, has put us in this church. We're not here to show ourselves off. We're not here to strut around and be a professional bride. But we're here because of the love of God. Said, I desire to have companionship. I desire to have a relationship. I desire to have more than the angels can offer. I desire to have somebody say, I love you, God, because they really love me. I desire to hear somebody say thank you for buying my soul from the auction block of sin. I desire somebody to embrace me with their praise. To embrace me with their love. Oh, with a relationship that goes beyond the surface. 
Have we made excuses for our friends and criticized the same thing and our enemies? Have we done that sometimes? Sometimes we we try to justify ourselves and our friends with things that simply will not cover and will not give us the peace and the rest. I went to my church not long ago and I, and I felt this in the Holy Ghost and I believe it today. I have, I have seen among God's people, it, as it were, an unrest. I have seen a stirring. I have watched those who were miserable. And I have looked and listened. And we're blaming the devil. We're blaming circumstances. But you know what I really believe today? I believe that the reason that, that there's such a, such a feeling like that being experienced, I really believe it's God doing it. Amen. I said, I really believe it's God doing it. Amen. I, I, I believe that God is storing something in our souls that won't let us be satisfied just having church three times a week. But I believe God is stirring us. Amen. To move beyond that into the streets of our towns. Amen. Into the prayer rooms. Amen. Pushing back the plate on fast days. Amen. And we're trying to satisfy ourselves with something that's never going to give us any peace. My God, you were born in a revival. You came to the altar through a, in a and received the Holy Ghost through a miracle. And you're not ever going to be satisfied with coming and becoming an institution. Amen. That doesn't know the power of God. You won't be satisfied with it today if the Spirit's not there, if the power's not there, if the deliverance is not there. And I believe we're just satisfied today because we have become too indifferent. Amen. Praise God. Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house to eat with him. When he came, he didn't, Simon did not wash his feet. He didn't anoint him with oil. He did not really make him feel wanted at all. I hope today that I always can go out of my way to make the Lord know He's welcome. He's welcome. And as that gathering progressed, there came in a woman. The Bible said that she began to weep. She held his feet. Simon stood back and he looked at her and began to think, reason within themselves, if he knew what kind of a woman that was. He would not let her touch him. The very reason he let her touch him was because he knew what kind of a woman she was. But Simon stood there and he began to justify in his own mind and his own heart his lack of anointing, his lack of foot washing, 
his lack of service to Jesus and of hospitality to him. Because he imagined in his heart how much worse a woman this was that had come there. And that Jesus was really not a prophet. Because if he had a been, he wouldn't have let her touch him. And he reasoned himself into self-justification for not doing all of those things. But I want to tell you this today. It does not matter who sins or how bad they sin. Somebody else's sin will never lift me up. It will never lift you up. It will never justify our lack. It will never do what we should have done. It doesn't matter today. And we need to quit comparing ourselves with somebody else that's weaker. And start looking to the higher calling. Start looking to something that's a higher example. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. In the book of Matthew, man, there was a story told of the marriage supper. And there in that marriage supper, there was a man that did not have on the wedding garment. And when the master came to him, he said, friend, how is it that you have no garment? He was speechless. Amen. I, I believe today that it is very necessary for us to put on that robe. Amen. That garment. Praise God. In Revelations chapter 19, he declared there was going to be a fine linen robe given to the saints. Amen. And he said that linen was the righteousness of the saints. Amen. He was there without righteousness in his life. He was there without the repentance and the confession in his life that should have preceded him being at that place where he was. Oh, yes. I believe today. I, I understand in my soul that God is calling us out of just having good services. How many times have we said, yeah, man, we're having good services. But what about the work of God? What about people receiving the baptism of the Spirit? What about baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ? I, I enjoy the blessings of God. I thank God for a good service, quote unquote. But my heart is hungry today. I hope that we came to this conference for more than another opportunity to meet one another and say we had a good conference. But oh, I hope you came to this place hungry. Not just to whole home our way through three days, but all oh, stirred in our hearts. God, give me more than I got. God, I've got to have more when I leave than I did when I came. I've got to have a change in my soul. I don't want to be unwilling to realize the fact that I'm where I am because of me. in that sixth chapter to describe what he saw. And he saw him sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. 
And, it's, and above it stood the serpents. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Amen. Something began to happen in Isaiah the prophet's mind and his heart. As he began to look upon the holiness of God. He began to see the righteousness of God. He began to see there something that went far beyond our idea of what holiness has been so many times. He began to see something that went so far beyond what he felt in his heart. That he began to lift up his voice and he said, Woe, woe is me. Hallelujah. I believe the time has come to quit comparing ourselves one with another. Paul said, They that do that are not wise. Amen. We're not here to compete and see who can preach the best and get a star marked up on the chalkboard for us. If we get folks to shout a little more than somebody else. I don't believe that's what this conference is all about. If I know Brother Bass, that's not what he had in mind when we came to this place. But oh, it's we haven't come here with that in our hearts at all. And we haven't come here to see who can outshout one another. But oh, hallelujah. Or to look at somebody else and say, I must be doing pretty good because of the, they're not doing so good at all. But when we begin to compare ourselves with the Lord, and we begin to see His righteousness, everything we ever thought we were begins to melt away. Which the veneer is stripped away. The facade, the mask we wear when we come to church, it's all moved out of the way. And when we begin to see Him, our righteousness, it becomes like filthy rags. We suddenly realize why we've been miserable. It's because we've been trying to rest on a bed that's too short and come ourselves with a cover that's too narrow. But oh, if we would cry, whoa, it's me today. When he did that, the angel took a call off the altar. He carried it and he touched his lips and he said, now you're clean. It's not out of our grip. It's within our power. But somebody needs to say, oh, oh, it's me. I hope somehow today God can get something in our heart. Amen. I don't believe I'm preaching to the wind today. I don't believe I'm preaching to the air. I believe I'm preaching to real saints of God who want more, who are hungry, who are thirsting. I believe I'm among men of God today that want revival with all their souls. They want revival with all their hearts. That's why we've gathered here today. Amen, amen. I'm so glad. We're not trying to see who can buy the most expensive suit. But oh God, 
if somehow today the ceiling could lift out of this and we could look up into the heavens and we could begin to see the glory of God. Amen. We could have an experience as Isaiah did and he could move us out of our righteousness to say, I don't have Brother Young said it a while ago. We don't have anything to be revived. What God, what we've got's not very much at all. It's only by the grace and love of God that He's let us have a part in this. As we heard the other night, oh, when we look at ourselves, what are we? Let's compare ourselves to God and not with one another. Don't try to cover ourselves with the mistakes of other people or try to justify ourselves. Oh, God, with self-justification. But oh, He said you. One of some of you were adulterers. Some of you were this and that and the works of the flesh. But He said now you're washed. Amen. You're justified, sanctified. And you're justified by the Spirit of the Lord and the name of our God. That's what it's going to take today. It's not going to be through good programs. It's not going to be all through how promised we can be. But it's going to be that old-fashioned power of Almighty God stripping away. I said stripping away all that we have put on for a front. And unless that happens, we're going through it ourselves. I don't know what you're supposed to preach in a meeting like this. This is what I feel in my soul. And I know the time is short. But God, can we be like that publican? He fell on his face. Couldn't even look up. Mowed himself on the breast. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. John wrote to the church in chapter 1 of 1 John. And he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. That's what we need today. Cleanse us. Forgive us. Amen. From all of our unrighteousness. Do it today, God. I don't know about you, but I want my heart open to God. I don't want to leave here trying to hold a form and a fashion up so everybody can think one thing about Brother Paget and uh, God thinks something else. But oh, I want to bear my heart in this conference. I want preachers to preach to me like they've been doing. I want to leave here today not trying to cover myself with self-justification or making excuses for my slothfulness. Oh, no, 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 a thousand times no. But God challenge me, stir me, and then I'll go home. I'll reform the lines. We'll attack at daybreak. We'll have revival. God said the church is going to have it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be an instrument in God's hands. But there's got to be a confession. There's got to be an opening up. Amen. You can do it when you came to the altar. And you ask God for the Holy Ghost. 
Because you recognized where you were. Let's get the pride out of our hearts. Let's get it away from us. I don't want pride. I want God. I don't want it. I don't want facade. But I want revival. Do you hear me today? I want revival. It doesn't matter what you think about me this morning. But I want God to look at me. Bring the coal, God. Put it on me. Make me clean. Worship the Lord just a minute. I know I've got to quit and get out of the way. I feel the Holy Ghost here so strong. Would you would you pray an honest prayer to the Lord right now? I'm not saying we're backslid. I'm not saying we're lost. Don't misunderstand me today. I'm not beating you down. I'm not being negative. But oh God, I believe that there is a restlessness among God's people. That God is allowed to come among us. To keep us from going to sleep. To keep us from becoming indifferent. Amen. We'll never rest on a bed that's too short. We will never be comfortable with a cover that's too narrow. There's only one thing. Let's plead the blood again today. Let's ask God to cover us again. And tomorrow, ask Him again. And the next day again. And the next day again. Oh, David, one time realized after he had sinned his sin in Psalm 51, he came to a great understanding. He said, God, thou desires truth in the inward parts. God wants truth in the inward parts of us today. God wants a sincerity. He wants a love in our soul this morning that goes beyond our pride. Willing. Well, I can't live for God because it won't work. It won't work. When the invitations were given to the marriage supper, the Bible said they all was one consent to begin to make excuses. And a summary of those excuses were given. Married a wife, bought some oxen, bought some land. Representation of family, job or occupation, and possessions. The three things that still bind people up today. Same excuses people give us today. But I want to tell you something. I can live for God because His amazing grace. Save me out of my sins. Amen. Let's love the Lord one more time. God bless you. I believe this message today.
deserves and demands more than just the lifting of the hands in the pew. I feel in the Holy Ghost that we need to take a few minutes of prayer.